Welcome to the Big Picture Podcast, where we make sure you know there's more going on than you can see or hear. If this podcast episode helps you, would you consider leaving us a review on the app or platform you're using to listen? We appreciate it. And remember, we ain't woke, but we are certainly awake. And now, your host, Larry Ragland. You could only call for the elders of the church before John the Revelator died. But after John the Revelator died, don't bother calling on the elders to lay hands on you to anoint you with all because it don't work anymore. That is the danger of the half gospel. Well, hello, everybody. I'm Larry Raglan. Welcome to the big picture. I am excited that you have decided to join us on this program, and we're going to get into some heavy, deep stuff that's going to change your life. I'm telling you, this is a powerful word that we're bringing forth today. But before we get into that, I want to thank all of our monthly supporters who have hit that join button right next to that subscribe button, and you're supporting us monthly. And I'm telling you, the number's growing, and it is a blessing. You don't know what an encouragement that is to us. So thank you to all of our monthly partners. And to all the super chats and super thanks. Let's get into this. So the title of this show is called The Dangerous Half Gospel. What's so dangerous about it? Well, I granted half the gospel is better than no gospel, but half the gospel is not nowhere near as good as the full gospel. And I'm not talking about the full gospel. That is a term that uh, people coined to identify a particular type of denomination or church way back when I was growing up, called a full gospel church. And I get it. I know what a full gospel church is. And I'm a full gospel preacher, even under that definition. But that's not what I'm preaching about. In fact, I'm not just preaching about half the gospel, the dangerous half gospel. I'm also preaching about the dangerous half prophecies, uh, the half teaching on eschatology. I believe in so many ways We've only, the body of Christ, especially the modern body body of Christ, has only been preaching half the gospel. We've only been teaching and operating in half the gospel. We've only been talking about, when you talk about end times prophecy, only talking about half the signs of the end times. Let's start with that before we get into the full gospel. Let's talk about half the prophecy. You know, eschatology is the teaching of end times events. And you remember Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 24, he talks about, you know, you'd hear of wars and rumors of wars, earthquakes in diverse places. He goes on to say things like, as in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. There'll be signs in the heavens and in the earth beneath. So we look at the stars, we look, we look at uh, shiftings of plates, and we look at uh, underneath the ground for earth signs of greater earthquakes, numbers of earthquakes, and we see pestilence, we see viruses, we see all these kind of things happening. We see a world system being put in place that is going to, quite frankly, usher in the Antichrist, that is going to uh, be the one world government, the one world religion. All those things should be studied and looked for, and we see them and we talk about them all the time. But I want to show you that Paul was not only a writer and giving us understanding of grace, and he wasn't always also the ones that gave us the understanding of the gifts of the Spirit and, and, the, and the fruits of the Spirit and all these things that we got, Romans' roadmap to salvation and all that that came through the apostle Paul. Paul's also a prophet. He was, he was an apostle. And if you're an apostle, it is of my belief, when you talk about fivefold ministry gifts, if you're an apostle, you're, an, you're also a prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. You also have the operational gifts of those five 
within you as an apostle as well. So he was an apostle of the faith. So that therefore he many times operated in the office of a prophet, not just a prophet that would speak a prophetic utterance in the moment, but would also prophesy of end times events. You think about, and this is not what I'm talking about today, but you think about even Romans chapter one, where he talks about uh, in the last days, there'll be a generation that will love the creation more than the creator, that they will leave their natural desire for the opposite sex and burn with passion for the same sex, you know, so we see that prophecy of, of what we see happening in the LGBTQ community, and we see that prophecy happening in what we would call those that are that love the world, the earth, Mother Earth more than they do God, won't even acknowledge God, but will acknowledge Mother Earth and so forth. So those were prophetic utterances in Romans chapter 1. But he was writing a letter to his spiritual son that he had birthed, was a young man named Timothy. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, I believe that this is just as much a prophetic de declaration as the earthquakes and all the other things that we look for. That's why we call it the half gospel and the half prophecy teaching. Because watch this. He says, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 says, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. And from such people turn away. So he says, know this, know this. You get this. When God's very, very uh, intentional in the word of God. When he says things like, verily, verily, I say unto you, that's King James, is saying, most assuredly, I say to you. You better pay close attention to that. If Jesus says something, hey, if you got an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. You better pay close attention to that. That's God saying, hey, this, all of it's big, but this is really big. Now, when Paul says, know this, but know this, I think about when I was in high school, I had a history teacher, uh, when she would be teaching and reviewing on what we had learned throughout the week, and she, we're getting ready to have our test, she'd always stop and say, and you need to know this. And then she would say something. And that was her code. If you really paid attention for, this is going to be on the test. You need to know this. So Paul says, know this, that in the last days, I've said this so many times on this program, but it bears saying it again. There can't be more than one last days. There's either a last days or it's not the last days. If it's a last days, and then all of a sudden you say, well, okay, that wasn't the last days. This is the last days. Well, then the previous one was not the last days. There's one first and there's one last. That's all there ever is. There's only always one first, and there's only always one last. So when he says the last days, that the days had not come yet in Paul's life. The days had not come in any generation's life before our generation. If we believe we're the final generation, then we believe that Paul is speaking to us. Maybe we're not. Maybe it's our children. Maybe it's our, our grandchildren. I personally believe whatever generation it is, that generation is alive today. I believe this applies to us because when you look at all the things that he said, these things will happen during perilous times. My God, look around. You've never seen a generation that was full of sin on that level. And let's also don't forget that Jesus said, as in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. That wasn't just talking about natural occurrences and floods and things like that. It was talking about the state of man. If you remember in Genesis chapter 6, man was evil continually. There was no man found to be good except Noah. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. 
Noah's the top and shadow of the remnant church. The ark is the top and shadow of, of the church, the true church. So we see that perilous times, he says, know this will come. Now, look, no, what I'm trying to say is, it's just as much a teaching on end times events to teach on this right here, the cultural slide into sin and the obvious before us that it's happening just as important as it is to talk about volcanoes and earthquakes and all of that. They should be talked about, but this should be talked about as well. So now watch this. The word perilous is the word kapelos in the original Greek, and it means to reduce the strength, to reduce the strength of. So in the last days, there'll become perilous times. There'll be things that will happen that will reduce the strength of the body of Christ. Now, let me tell you something. The church used to be powerful. It's never been as powerful as in our lifetime as it was in Acts chapter 2. But it wasn't long ago that church was important. It wasn't long ago that people preached the full gospel. But we see half the prophecy being taught. While we are looking for earthquakes and floods and mudslides and all these things to show us, you know, these finding things in Scripture to match that, we're looking right over, I think, Quite frankly, the the more obvious, uh, the more obvious trait of us being the final generation and prophecy being fulfilled, as the other, because there's always been earthquakes. Now I know they've increased in in number. I'm not denying that that is something that we should be following, but I'm trying to tell you that just as much as that is part of the the full teaching of prophecy, this is also the full teaching of prophecy which prophecy is the teaching of also of part of the of the gospel. You say, well, wait a minute. Doesn't gospel mean the good news? Of course it means the good news. That's what the word gospel means. Well, how can we call the gospel uh, talking about the Antichrist, the mark of the beast, the, the rise of the kingdoms that will bring forth and, and, and all the things that we know that will happen in Revelation and so forth? How can that be good news? Because the good news is when you begin to see these things, the Bible says, lift up your head and look up to heaven for your redemption draweth nigh. Praise God. I'm telling you, when the when the before the trumpet judgments are ever released from the book of Revelation, there will be a last trump of God that will sound, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and them which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to be with the Lord, and so shall they be with the Lord. That's good news, y'all. In fact, the Bible says the the, the rapture is is the hope. It is the hope of the believer. It, it gives us hope when we begin to see. Revelation should not scare us. End times events and end times prophecy uh, right in front of our face should not scare us. It should excite us. In fact, it should motivate us to be greater Christians. It should motivate us to, be, to, to make souls and harvest more important to us. That's the real gospel. Now, i got to hurry. This is all my introduction, y'all. You know, my solid rock folks know well, I know that's a that's a running uh, pattern with me. That my introduction sometimes is longer than my old than my actual message. But now watch this. So we know that we we've got to look for these things to show us that we're the last generation. Okay, the 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 natural instances and the spiritual and cultural and sinful issues that are happening before us. Both of them together are the full teaching of prophecy. Now the full gospel. Of the of teaching of Jesus Christ, I believe is one of the most under preached, under preached, that's it right there, thing that we've ever missed out on in the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
There are more people preaching a half gospel than there are a full gospel. Let me tell you what I mean by that. I want to tell you why it's so dangerous. It is because of this. So we understand Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28 verses 18 to 20 is known as the Great Commission. Every evangelical church, every Bible-believing, true evangelical-believing church, meaning Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, meaning that you believe that he born, was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died on the cross for our sins, meaning that he came back from the dead and you believe in the power of the resurrection. Every church and every believer that believes in that also preaches and teaches Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28 is called the Great Commission. If you ask any Bible-believing person who's ever studied the Bible whatsoever, and certainly if you ask any pastor that is of any weight when it comes to a true preacher of the gospel, hey, do you know what the Great Commission is? Of course I know what the Great Commission is. Matthew chapter 28. Let's read the Great Commission. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20 says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. That's the Great Commission. Okay? Everybody, every evangelical church, every Baptist, every Methodist, every Episcopal, every Presbyterian, every Pentecostal, every Charismatic, if they are truly born again, they believe and they preach and they teach Matthew 28. Why? Why does everyone, whether you're Pentecostal, non-Pentecostal, whether you're Baptist, blah, 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 fill in the blank. Why do they all find it so easy to preach Matthew 28? Oh, and by the way, they should, because it is the Great Commission. These are words written in red. These are words that came from Jesus. These are some of his last instructions that he gave the body of Christ and therefore still gives us to this day. But do you know that there is another part of the Great Commission? Just like there is people who preach half the gospel, people who teach half of Bible prophecy, there is even a greater number of people and a greater number of preachers that preach half of the Great Commission. And let me tell you something. The enemy is almost content. He don't want you preaching any of the gospel. But he is much more con- content. The devil is much more content to, to, to have a pastor feel, help him feel comfortable in preaching half the gospel, preaching half the signs of the end times, and preaching half of the Great Commission. Because here's why. It's dangerous. It's dangerous because it gives people a, a quite frankly, dangerous sense of security that you, ha- that you are walking in everything that God has for you. There are people all over this world. There are people watching this program. I will lose subscribers from this particular program because this happens every single time. I gain subscribers, then I preach something that's controversial, and it's very obvious to me that it stepped on some people's toes because I lose subscribers almost moment that probably about halfway through this thing going live. It is because people want to believe doctrines of eternal security, which is not uh, the topic of this show, which I will tackle. You know, what some people call once saved, always saved. And, you know, and you can believe that with all your heart. 
and I'm not going to say that we're not going to be in heaven together. But you don't have no right to say I'm not going to be in heaven either because I don't believe it. I don't believe that God will ever leave me nor forsake me, but I do believe that I have a responsibility as a believer to walk in faith and that I can walk out of my, my relationship with God, out of my fellowship with God. Another subject, probably lost half of the people watching this right now. But what I'm saying is some of the same people that teach Eternal security. Some of the same, same same people that teach once saved, always saved. Let me let me just go ahead and say that because I believe in eternal security, but I'm, I don't subscribe to once saved, always saved. But it's, most of the people that teach once saved, always saved also teach a cessationist gospel. They teach a gospel that says gifts of the Spirit are not real. They teach a gospel that says uh, the gifts of the Spirit are not real, and that, that there is no such thing as miracles, that there is no such thing as healing, that all those miracles and all those spiritual gifts died off with the apostles. I'm going to tell you something right now. You might as well unsubscribe because you're not going to hear, let me just tell it like it is, that silliness on this program. Because I am I am a full gospel believer. I'm a full Bible believer. I'm a full prophecy believer. I'm a believer that if it's in the Bible, it's for me. I'm a believer that God is not an author of confusion, that if he put it in the book of Acts, and if he told his disciples, not just his disciples, he wasn't just telling them. He said things like this to, to the entire group. These things shall you do, and greater shall you do if I go to my Father. Remember, he told, uh, he told uh, 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 at least, 500 men plus women and children on the on the mountain right before he went up to heaven and ascended to heaven and disappeared in the clouds. He told them all. He didn't say, I just want you disciples, you 12, to tarry in Jerusalem uh, till you shall receive the promise of the Father. He told every one of them, tarry in Jerusalem till you shall receive the promise of the Father. Every single one of them. Now, we understand that most theologians believe 500 men plus women and children could have possibly been 1,500 to 2,000 people. And in one week's time, it went from that number down to 120. But can I remind you that there was not 120 12 apostles? Okay, 12 means 12. 12 doesn't mean 120. But yet there was 120 that were filled with the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 2. There was 120 that spoke in tongues. There was 120 that had fire on top of their heads. There wasn't a special fire on top of Peter. Even though Peter stood up and identified what was happening, the Bible said fire sat upon each of them. Remember, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven, Acts chapter 2, and, and it filled all the house, all the house. There was no selection of make sure you hit those 12. It filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them, all 120 of them. And they all, 120, began to speak in tongues as the Spirit of God gave them utterance. Can I ask you, let me tell you why I call it silliness. Let me tell you why I believe, and I'm going to get really deep into it in just a second. Make a, if I already made you mad, I'm about to make you mad on this one. Here's why I call, here's why I call it silly. Because if you believe that the power of God that fell in that room called, called the Holy Ghost Acts chapter 2 outpouring of the Holy Spirit was only reserved for the 12 apostles, and when John died, it died off with him, do you have any proof that any of the other 120 that are unnamed, that we don't even know who they were, we only know a handful of them that were in there. Of course, Mary, the mother of Jesus, was one of the ones that's named that was up there as well. But watch this. Do you have proof that when John died, there was not any of the other ones that was in that room still alive? Well, if they spoke in tongues and fire was on them in Acts chapter 2, and they outlived John, when John died, 
that all of a sudden, when they when he breathed his last breath, the life that they had known, the prayer language that they had lived in, the miracles that they had operated in just ceased as well. It's like, you know, once he went and breathed his last breath, all of the gifts of the Spirit that was still left and the ones that might have still been alive just disappeared. Do you see how silly that is? Do you see how confusing it is to say that God really didn't want us to desire to operate in the power of God, even though Paul said desire spiritual gifts? Oh, but God knew that's not what he really meant. He only meant for himself to desire a spiritual gift and that I couldn't desire a spiritual gift. Do you see how that's dangerous? Do you see how that's not the full gospel? Men and women of God who preach and teach this, you're going to stand before God. You're going to answer, answer to God for this teaching. I'm not saying it's a salvation thing whether you're going to get to heaven or not. Some people believe that. I, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that you got to believe in miracles to go to heaven. you got to believe in Jesus. He's the only thing you got to do is believe in Jesus and, and, and ask him to forgive you of your sins, and you'll go to heaven. But I'm not talking about heaven. I'm not talking about heaven. Remember when Jesus was with his disciples. And they had seen the power of God operating in his life. And they had seen the power of what prayer would do in their life. And they said, hey, we see when you go off to pray and you come back, there's unbelievable things happen. Teach us how to pray. You know what Jesus said? This is how you pray. It's known as the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. Can I tell you something? We don't need healing in heaven. We need healing here. We don't need uh, deliverance in heaven. We need it here. So do you understand how silly it is to say to a drug addict, to, to someone who has built a life around forgetting their problems by shooting up, snorting up, drinking up, and it gives them a feeling and a sensation, that an empowerment. Hey, come over here and serve God. And you know what? You got to stop drinking. You got to stop smoking. You got to stop shooting up. You got to stop uh, snorting all the things that you're doing that gives your flesh so much satisfaction. Come over here, get saved. Your name be written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and that's it. That's all you get. You don't get nothing else. You get struggles. You get sickness. You get pain. You get you get tormenting spirits. You get nightmares. You get night terrors, and there's nothing you can do about it because there's no power of God. There's nothing you can do about it. You can't ask God to do a miracle. Your kid gets sick, the, you know, you ain't nothing you can do about it. You better find some medicine. You better find a treatment because you can't lay hands on them and believe God for their healing. Oh, wait a minute. Even though the Bible says if there's any sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church. Let them pray the prayer of faith and God will raise them up. Did it qualify? They will, you could only call for the elders of the church before John the Revelator died? But after John the Revelator died, don't bother calling on the elders to lay hands on you, to anoint you with oil, because it don't work anymore. That is the danger of the half gospel. Now, rabbit trail. Come back off the rabbit trail. Still with me? You still with me? If you're still with me, come on. Down in the comment section, give me something. Give me some hands up. Give me some fist bumps, something. In the live chat, if we're watching this live, show me that you're still listening. So you got people that preach a half gospel. You got people who preach and teach half prophecy, end times prophecy. And then you got preachers all over the world. People believe all over the world because preachers teach this. Most people believe what they heard their preacher preach. So you got believers that believe a half great commission because you got preachers who preach a half great commission. 
Let me ask you something. If your pastor is a Calvinist, a cessationist, or someone that doesn't believe in the gifts of the Spirit, when is the last time, if you have ever heard them preach from Mark chapter 16, verse 15? If you've ever heard them mention it, it is only to mock Charismatics and Pentecostals. All them old snake-handling people. Look, look at them. They take this, this, this scripture literally to handle snakes and all this. Watch this. But, but this is also written in red. This is also the, the, one of the last words that Jesus ever said to his disciples and to the believers. Let's read it. This is the other half of the Great Commission. Mark chapter 16, verse 15 says, and he said to them, go into all the world. Does that sound familiar? It's a great commission. Remember, Matthew 28, go and therefore, go therefore and, and, and make disciples of all nations. Go and make disciples of all nations. Here he says in Mark 16, in the same vein, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. Ain't got no problem with that. In fact, most people don't have any problem with Matthew 28, Great Commission, because I call it, it's safe. Because within that Great Commission, and I, I don't mean that to be uh, sacrilegious and detrimental, there is salvation, there's preaching, there's teaching, there's water baptism. Preaching, teaching, water baptism. Most all churches and most all believers believe in preaching, teaching, water baptism. But it's a little different in Mark 16. Watch this. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Hey, we're good to every creature. We're good. We, we like that. We're all good. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. Yes. Gotcha. Preach on, preacher. But he who does not believe will be condemned. Amen. Heaven to gain, hell to shun. Let's stop right here. Don't go no further, preacher. Don't talk no more. Please, 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 please. Don't upset the apple cart. But shouldn't we read the next verse? Isn't the next verse just as important as, the, as that verse? Isn't 17 just as important as 15, 15 and 16? Let's read verse 17. And these signs shall follow them who believe. Wait a minute. What? Stop, 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 stop. He who believes and is baptized, Matthew 28, Making disciples, believe me, water baptized. He that believes and is baptized will be saved. Salvation. Ain't got no problem with salvation, believing, water baptism. But then Jesus said, but when that happens, here's what should happen if you preach the full gospel. They should be saved. They should be water baptized. And then they something should happen to them. They should have an experience because now they position themselves for the next part, verse 17, and these signs will follow those who believe. Hey, cessationists, do you believe in Jesus? Well, look behind you. Is any signs following you? Hmm, interesting question, isn't it? These signs will follow those who believe. Those who believe, not just the preachers, all those who believe. Are you a believer? then these signs should be following you. This is the full gospel. This is the, when you don't preach this part of the Great Commission, when you don't preach sin as, a, as, as the cultural downturn of sin as the other half of Bible prophecy, then you're not teaching Bible prophecy. Watch this. This is the other half of the Great Commission. These signs shall follow them to believe. What are the signs? In my name they shall cast out demons. What? When's the last time you cast out a demon? 
When's the last time you saw a demon cast out in your church? When's the last time anybody even mentioned deliverance in your ministry and in your church? Hey, preacher, when's the last time you believed and you stood before somebody and you knew in your spirit, man, that they were tormented by a demon spirit and you could have prayed some little cute little canned prayer and sprinkled a little bit of oil on them and made a cross on their head and just blessed them and sent them forth out to live their best life now? When you knew down deep inside of you it was bigger than that. But you were afraid. Why? Because you had never embraced the full gospel. Preachers, it's time to repent. Baptist preachers, cessationists, Calvinists, it's time to get right with God. It's time to say, think about it. You've got people all, you got, you got Max Licato, you got Francis Chan. You, those, those are just two of many lifelong cessationists, lifelong people who, who believe the gifts of the Spirit died off, have spent their whole life preaching the gifts of the Spirit don't even exist. But when, when this thing hit that took the whole world over for two and a half years, it caused people to, to reevaluate. And some of these lifelong cessationists are saying, God, if I'm going to do this in this last day, if the church is going to rise, I want all that you got. And God began to fill them with the Holy Ghost. Now they're casting out devils. Francis Chan, Max Licato, uh, praying in the Holy Ghost, pray, speaking in tongues, laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover. Because the full gospel is the only thing that's going to really cause the remnant to rise. That last days where you pour that spirit on all flesh, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions. Holy Ghost revival in the midst of a, of a, of a falling away like we've never seen. That great dichotomy. It's dangerous, preacher. It's dangerous for you not to preach the full gospel. It's dangerous, believer, for you not to believe the full Great Commission. Yes, preach. Yes, teach. Yes, baptize. Yes, make disciples. But can I tell you something? Let me go a little step further. It's half discipleship to only teach people how to pray, read their Bible, go to church, tithe, these things that we call basic discipleship, making disciples, it is half discipleship if you don't also teach them signs are supposed to follow you. It is also half gospel, half discipleship to teach them you are supposed to lay hands upon the sick and they shall recover. Let's look at it. Let's look at it. It says, in these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they will cast out devils. They will speak with new tongues. And if they take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly, anything deadly, will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. You know what people do? They'll mock everything that's in there just because of the thing about snakes. Because they'll see these crazy people that are snake handlers that wrap them snakes ar around their arms and kiss them and all that. Oh, crazy snake handlers. Look at there. That's what this is about. Listen. You bring a snake in my church, security team and probably myself as well is all I'm going to say uh, will help that snake uh, meet its final eternity, okay? I don't handle snakes. It's just meaning if anything, anything snatches itself to you, attaches itself to you, injects its poison into you, the power of God can move upon you just like Paul, and you can shake that snake off in the fire. When you're preaching the full gospel, when you're, when you're preaching the full Great Commission, let me tell you something. Mark 16 is just as important as Matthew 28. Hey, preacher, I challenge you. I challenge you to go study Mark chapter 16 and preach that as the Great Commission and then preach Matthew 28 to support it 
and say, when we make disciples in this church, we're going to teach them how to pray. We're going to teach them how to fast. We're going to teach them how to be givers. We're going to teach them how to be faithful. We're going to teach them about why we water baptize. Why do we pray? Why do we gather? Why do we praise? But we're also going to teach them to lay hands upon their children when their children are sick and tell that devil to get their hands off their kids. We're going to teach them that, that, that deliverance is just as part, much a part of the gospel as being born again. Do you know the Bible says in the book of Romans, very famous scripture, that, it, that those that confess with their mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in their heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved that word is the word sozo. That word saved is the word sozo, S-O-Z-O. And do you know what it means? It means to be forgiven, saved. It means to be delivered, too. And it means, number three, to be healed. God did not come. Why, why did he take stripes on his back? Think of, I, keep, I don't want to be disrespectful to you, but you need to be shaken up. Listen, you need to be shaken, preacher, into realizing quite frankly, the, the fallacy of your doctrine and, and the confusion that you are putting on people when you preach a half gospel, when you preach a half great commission, when you preach a half empowerment of God of what it means to be a believer. Because do you understand when you don't preach that God still heals, when you don't preach that miracles still happen, do you understand that you are saying that Jesus was beaten almost to the point of death? He was almost already dead. He had lost so much blood, most people would have died at the, at the beating at the flogging pole. When they tied him to that flogging pole and beat him with a cat of nine tails with 39 stripes, literally to an inch within the, within the end of his life. The only thing that kept him alive is that he had said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw men unto me. And he knew his destiny was the cross. His destiny was not a flogging pole. So the spirit of God kept him alive. You pre when you preach half the gospel, when you teach half of the Great Commission, you are saying that that suffering that no man had ever endured and no man has ever endured since, was only for the manifestation of healing of anyone that would come in personal contact with 12 men and end up finally with John. Do you understand? People, if that was the case, people had to have been lined up for as long as the eye, as far as the eye could see to be touched and healed on John when he's on his deathbed. He died of natural causes. He said, people were there. They saw him die. He was not murdered. He was not martyred. So people were gathered around him at his final breath. Oh, God, we better hurry up and slap his head on my kid because once he's gone, all those stripes that Jesus took on his back was for nothing. Come to grips with that. Forget what you learn in Bible college, in cemetery, I mean seminary. I know we need new jokes. Preachers need new jokes. But truthfully, it is a place where many great on-fire called preachers go to die. Just for a moment, set that aside and go back to the most important book in your entire life, preacher, the Bible, and ask yourself, why would God have these things in Scripture, knowing that thousands of years later they would be right in front of us causing great confusion? Because we spend our life, people, some of you cessationists, you attend, stream, and go to conferences called Strange Fire, and you listen to so-called great preachers. 
who, who spend thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars to put on giant conferences, to pay preachers to come in and sit around and have a round table to make fun and mock people like myself who simply just believe the full gospel. Let me tell you something. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. I'm going to close by saying this right here. Now, I know it was Jesus. This is my last point I'm going to make before I get off this program. Stay with me because this, this is, I believe, the most powerful illustration that I can give to you, that without miracles, without deliverance, without power, without the gifts of the Spirit, without is a half gospel, and it's dangerous to listen to, adhere to, preach, or follow anyone who preaches the half gospel, especially in this day and time. Now, I know it was Jesus that said this, and I know that I'm not Jesus. I know that you're not Jesus. I know that we can never evolve into Jesus. But I want to show you the power of what miracles mean. John the Baptist, we know him, voice crying in the wilderness, preaching repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He preached there is one coming whose shoes I'm not worthy to even stoop down and unloosen. I baptize you with water, listen, unto repentance. There's the Matthew 28. I baptize you into water unto repentance. But there's one coming after me who will baptize you with fire, with fire. All right? So he teaches us, my gospel can only get you so far. Now, it can get you to heaven. It can get you forgiven. But God does not want you to only focus on where you're going one day. You have a job to do while you're here and a devil to fight here. So get what you can get, but when he comes, you need to get what he can give you because what he can give you will empower you to be all that you are supposed to be in God. Fire. So he's baptized by John. He begins his ministry. Immediately, listen to me, John says, I must decrease and he must increase. He is arrested for his preaching. He is thrown into a pit, and he knows that he is to be beheaded the next day. His followers, his friends, his disciples come to him at night. He's down in the dungeon. They, they are given permission to talk to him through the bars, and they talk to him. And while they're, this is in your Bible, and while they are talking to John, listen to John, who, was con, who had just moments earlier, just a short time earlier, probably just days earlier, had pointed up to the mountain to his cousin Jesus and said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world, who had stood before the Messiah, before his cousin, but before the King of kings and the Lord of lords and said, You need to baptize me because he saw the glory and the fire on him. And Jesus said, Suffer to be so. You, it must happen. He baptized the Messiah, declared him and identified him as the Lamb who would take away the sins of the world. And in that dungeon, listen to what he says, He doubt begins to creep in. Because look, I'm not judging John, but when you don't have the full gospel and the full understanding of who the Messiah is, you will wonder. You will wonder, is this all there is to it? And John there, in feeling like he had been forsaken by his cousin confusion and doubt begin to come into his mind, which is only natural and human. Jesus said there's no greater man except the Son of Man like John the Baptist. And John says to his followers up through the bars, 
I need you to do me a favor. Can you go? I need you to come and tell me this before I die. I need to know this before I die. Can you go ask him, is he the one or should I look for another? Is this not the same man that just said he was the one, that just declared that he was the one? But yet when he got out from under that anointing, confusion came in. There was no surety there. There was no assurance there. He said, is he the one or should we look for another? Just go ask him and come back and tell me what he says. And the Bible says John's disciples go to Jesus and they say, Jesus, Messiah, sir, teacher, rabbi, I need to ask you a question. John is about to be killed. And he, wanted, he only had one thing to ask. He wanted to ask you, are you the one or should he look for another? Should we look for another? Jesus did not say to John's disciples, you go tell him. Tell him, tell him to lay down and tell him he got everything he needed, that, that everything he ever believed about me was true, that, that I am the one. Tell him that he's, you know, it's enough what he's got. It's enough. Just go to sleep and don't worry about it. Yeah, tell him I'm the one. No, he didn't even resp- respond at all except this. He said, let him know the blinded eyes are being opened. The lame are walking. The deaf and the dumb are speaking and hearing, and the dead are being raised. And then he walked off. See, these signs shall follow them that believe. When he would do those miracles, he would say, you see this, don't be amazed by this, because you will do this, and greater shall you do this if I go to my Father. This Well, when John died, how were they still doing it? Was it just for them? What happened to the greater? What happened to the greater if I go to my father? What happened to the world revival, the world impact? Let me tell you what happened to it. They had the understanding of the full gospel. Man has twisted it. Here's why people fall in to the the half gospel, because they'll try the full gospel And when things don't happen for them the way they heard it happen for somebody else, on the timeline that they wanted it to happen, then they say things like this. Well, if it was for everybody and if it was of God, why didn't it happen to me? And then they get mad at God and they devise a new gospel. But we don't need a new gospel. When they got the Holy Ghost in the upper room, remember what Jesus said? You shall receive power, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. After or when the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And then you'll be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Can I tell you something, preacher? Yeah, you need to be preaching that we need to be witnesses. You need to be preaching that we need to go and we need to be sharing the gospel with our co-workers and our family. But do you understand that Jesus never told them to be a witness until after the power of God? He said, after the Holy Ghost comes on you, then you'll be my witness. Is there, ever, is there any wonder why the church is dying and people are not witnessing and people are not getting people saved? It's because you've got to have the power. And when the power comes on you, you will not need somebody to tell you to be a witness and to go the, to all the world. Let's preach the full gospel. Let's teach the full end times prophecy. Let's open our eyes. Let's become awakened, not woke. And let's be the full church the full remnant, the full gospel, the full Bible, and the Holy Ghost. It is time. 
ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining me on The Big Picture, where we are not woke, but we are certainly awake. I'll see you next time. God bless. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Big Picture Podcast. We hope it helped you, encouraged you, and empowered you. Please consider leaving us a review on your app of choice and share with family and friends. And remember, we ain't woke, but we are certainly awake.